Welcome to the Savvy Podcasting for Entrepreneurs podcast, a place for podcasters to learn what's actually working in marketing and how to use their podcast to generate leads in their business. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited that you're here. Hey, Savvies, welcome back to another episode of Savvy Podcasting for Entrepreneurs. Today, I'm chatting with Natasha Mitchell of Inspire and Drive. Natasha is the founder of Inspire and Drive, the creator of The Simple Business Method, and is a number one international bestselling author. She is a business strategy and efficiency expert who helps creative business owners scale with ease and without a big team or budget. She believes in keeping business simple and helps entrepreneurs map out a custom path to success that is aligned with their ideal life. She has appeared on a guest on multiple podcasts, summits, and webinars, has her own YouTube channel, and is the host of Your Business Without Borders podcast. So I'm super excited to chat with Natasha today um, all about the ins and outs of what's working with her podcast, Your Business Without Borders. So let's just dive right in. Hi, Natasha. Welcome to the show. I'm super excited that you're here and I cannot wait to chat all about podcasting with you. So before we dive into the episode, tell us a little bit about yourself and your podcast and just how you got started doing it all. Oh, hi, Jenny. Thanks so much for having you having me here today. I'm happy to be here. Um, so it's just to introduce myself. My name's Natasha Mitchell. I'm the owner of Inspire and Drive, and I'm a business strategy and scaling expert. And I'm an international best-selling author, and I'm the host of Your Business Without Borders podcast. Uh, I help creative business owners who are on that cusp of the next level of growth to scale up with ease without needing a big team or a big budget and without having to sacrifice their sanity or art. And I'm on a mission to make business simpler and more fun so that everyone, no matter what their experience, can succeed. And I've created a whole business method called the Simple Business Method which really helps creatives to build the structure and systems they need for leverage and growth and um, still make it flexible enough to work with their style so that they never feel stuck in a cookie cutter box or stifling your creativity. And uh, that's really what your business without borders is about. It's uh, which is the podcast. It's all about just doing business your way, thinking outside of the box and uh, doing things a little bit differently. Um, and just as a bit of background, I started my podcast um, in August 2019, so about six months almost. And I really started that as part of my visibility strategy to build my business. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And that's a lot of people's reasoning. Like they want to use their podcast as another way to get content out there um, that is helpful and can, you know, eventually lead to lead generation for their um, business, whether it's like clients or customers or whatever they want to do. So definitely, and you definitely do the whole um, non cookie cutter business thing well. And I think a lot of people, appreciate that because, um, you know, we didn't leave corporate to be boring and stuffy, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that, Jenny. Um, that, that's exactly right. You know, for my own business, I want to do things that I enjoy and are fun. And I want that for my clients as well. And I think, you know, you can relate because you deal with a lot of the similar clients as a creative, um, creative people sort of want more of that flexibility to flow in their business. Um, so I think it's important that, I uh, show people that there is a way to do that. And as I say, that comes through my sort of business strategy and private work, but also that's the key message of my podcast as well. 
Yeah, exactly. So you kind of touched on why you started your podcast and how long you've been doing it for, but let's chat a little bit about like your format. So do you do, I mean, I know this, but um, do you do like solo or interview style or a mix of the two? And then how often are you putting out your new episodes? Yeah, it's interesting. At first I sort of thought, oh, this would be a good, um, you know, a good solo platform because it's, it's, again, it's a content building strategy, but um, I really have opted now to do a blend of solo and interview. Um, I think there's value in that because as part of a visibility strategy by me interviewing other people, that really allows me to get in front of their audience in a way that I wouldn't normally be able to. But I think more importantly, it injects a another dimension and another level of information that um, I might not be able to share with my my clients and audiences. You know, I don't know everything, and I don't want to know everything. So um, I really enjoy the interview style approach. But you know, on occasion, I do put my own solo episodes out there. Yeah, I am the same way. I think it's important to have different perspectives and then you can still be seen as an expert even when you're interviewing someone because you probably have some kind of insight on what they're talking about as well. Even if it's not your area of expertise, you know a little bit about it or you have some good things you can insert into there and, you know, position yourself as an expert still, even though. Yeah, absolutely. That that's, that's so true. And, you know, just to answer the second part of your question, how often do I put um, content out? Um, So as I mentioned, I've only been running the podcast for about five months now. So the first season I did 19 episodes and what that allowed me to have is basically content out, new content out every single week. Um, I'm now in season two and I'm just about to launch the new season this week. So this is interesting timing, but, um, I'm not sure if I will, um, I'm not sure if I'll do an episode every single week. It for sure is a big commitment. Even if you're batching, it's still quite a lot of work to um, have that number of client uh, customers or interviewees come on and all the preparation that goes with that. Um, So yeah, I'll probably cut it back to once every two weeks in the second season. Yeah, that makes sense. And what made you kind of like decide to do seasons and how did you kind of figure out um, how you wanted to structure those seasons? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, It sort of happened a little bit organically, to be honest. Um, You know, the first season, as I said, I started in August. And then um, as it came to sort of December, I knew that I was going to have a break. And, you know, I like to travel a lot in my spare time. So, you know, I knew there was sort of a natural break point from a business perspective. So that was sort of really organically how it came about. Um, And so I, as I say, so then I did decide to take a little break um, and then start again in the new, in the new year. I think having done that um, without necessarily specifically planning that out, I actually think it gives me a bit of breathing space because I know that at any point I can, you know, I can take a little break from my podcast if I need to um, without it seeming strange or like I've vanished off the face of the planet. So really uh, not specifically very strategic, but um, I think it's going to work for me that way. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm kind of similar. I mean, I started my podcast in January, so, or not like this January, obviously, but like just a January um, back in 2018. And I actually podcasted for the entire year, except for like, um, 
you know, the week of Thanksgiving and the week of Christmas um, and things like that. And that's kind of how I structured my season. So I'll go like a full year and then I'll take off like, you know, two weeks for Christmas and New Year's and then like Thanksgiving week. And that's like, so basically three weeks of the whole year. Um, that's it. Is that what I take off? And that's how I structured my seasons. But it's always interesting to see how people do it. Cause you know, some people will do like um, theme seasons and they'll have like a, th- a season all about this one thing or, you know, all these different things. So it's always interesting to see how people um, decide to go and format that versus um, or if they just keep keep going and, you know, they just take off like one week for Christmas or something. So I always- Yeah. And, and I think um, I'd love to hear your perspective on, you know, weekly versus, uh, you know, every two weeks or once a month. But I, I would say this, you know, as a beginner to the podcast and, you know, because the podcasting is just one small component of my business, you know, I'm not a, a full-time podcaster. Um, I felt like it just gave me a little bit more space. Um, it felt a bit lighter. It didn't feel like such a big commitment. So it was almost a motivating factor for me to sort of, you know, be able to think I can do like 20 episodes, which I think probably my seasons now will be about last was 19, but I think 20 episodes will probably be the right volume for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't feel like i well, it feels like an achievable milestone for, for, for me in my business. So that's kind of how I'm, um, how I'm looking at it. Totally. I mean, and it's your podcast, it's completely up to you, how you run it. It's just always interesting to hear like what people's perspective on that is. So mm-hmm. thanks for sharing that. Um, so what do you feel like is currently working best in your podcast right now? I know you're saying, you said you're just coming off of your first season going into your second, um, you know, are there any, is there anything that you just feel like is doing well, whether that's like, um, your interviews or, you know, a promotion strategy or anything like that. Mm. Um, well, one of the things that I, you know, I'm all about structure. So, uh, no surprise there that I, I have a structure behind the scenes, but one of the things that I think works really well for me and my guests have given me a lot of feedback on, um, is that I have a, um, you know, an easy to follow structure up front. So basically I, um, do a pre-call with my with my interviewees, particularly if I don't know them, we agree on the topic. And um, again, I can do that via email if I know someone, but I prefer if I'm having a guest that I don't know, that I actually have a conversation with them just to make sure they're, um, you know, they're who they say they are and actually have their level of experience that they have. So I, I do that. Um, then uh, the actual interview is scheduled using a scheduling tool, which makes it really easy for everybody. Um, I send my questions in advance. So my customer, my, my interviewee knows what they're doing on my side. So I'm well prepared. I have a script for every single um, episode. And of course, you know, it's not, necessarily it it can still be a very fluid conversation but you know I have a script so I'm pretty prepared so I can just jump onto that call um, interview at any point um, and and I'm well prepared and then you know on the back end of that process once we've um, we've had the interview you know there's the editing and preparation of the interview um, all the images and all the promotion and then my um, interviewee gets an email around that so there's I have a set of standard emails that I'm able to send out to the person I'm interviewing so they know where they are how they have to show up and when they have to show up and then they've got all the tools they need to easily be able to promote the episode and that structure 
really, it saves me tons of time um, and I'm just finding it's easy for me and it's easy for my guests as well. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important to make it as easy for a guest as possible. I know for me, um, I've, you know, been on plenty of podcasts and as a podcast manager myself, I kind of, I don't purposely judge people's process, but, um, it's, you know, I kind of tell them like, Hey, like here's where I think you could prove on your process, make it easier for a guest, um, things like that. Because, um, with mine, I, as you filled out my form, you know, I, uh, collect all the information, um, when you're booking to make it super easy. So I'm not going back and forth like, Hey, I actually need your headshot. Oh wait, now I need your bio. Um, and I've had people who like, you know, sent over like a PDF for me to fill out with questions like for me, um, to answer for them for their show. And I just found that to be a little clunky and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just important to make it super easy for your people. Um, definitely sending questions in advance uh, is nice. Um, it helps them kind of feel more secure, especially if, podcast interviews aren't something they do all the time. Um, and yeah, just having a really good process is really important. I think because, you know, if the harder you make it for your guests, the less likely they're going to be to book. Cause if they get to the point where they're like ready to book and then they have to jump through all these hoops, like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ever. And, you know, Jenny, you were a great role model for me in that, you know, obviously um, I had been on a, another podcast that you'd done previously and I saw how seamless that process was. Um, you and I had worked together in other capacities. So I definitely modeled um, your process and, and it's, a, it's certainly a very easy process to follow. And, you know, the other thing I would say about it from my perspective is um, sometimes I have guests that really have their own agenda for the um, interview. And so there's an interesting balance of letting people share their message, but um, making sure that that's aligned with the message that I want to share and, and the theme of my own podcast. So I find in particular, like sort of sending them um, questions in advance and I agree, I don't think you need people to send back their whole scripted answer. (laughs) That, but um, it allows me to keep people on track a little bit. Um, I My podcasts are about 30 minutes. It doesn't matter if they go over a bit, but they're fairly short interviews. They're sort of 30 minutes, not hour-long interviews, which means you do need to get to the point of the core content um, pretty quickly and the answer needs to be fairly succinct to um, make it fit into that time. So I I feel like you kind of set expectations with the guests um, by providing some of those questions in advance. Right, right. I mean, and there's still people who are going to, you're going to get on the call with them and they're going to derail what you have to say. You kind of have to steer steer them back to what you're wanting to talk about. Obviously their story is important too, but if it gets to the point where you're like, they're droning on and on and on about their whole entire life, like that's not helpful to your listener. It's not helpful for you. It's kind of, you know, you have to kind of bring it back to what you're there for. Um, which we, I know I've had to do, um, in the past when my show wasn't podcast focused and then on my other show up of your biz, um, we've had to kind of steer people back to reality. (laughs) Um, and, and you know, you touch on it. I, I think I think about it, it's less about me. You're, you're kind of right. It's less about me. It's more about my listeners. I know if I'm listening to a podcast, you know, I do want to hear what about the other person and where they come from and, you know, their story. But fundamentally, I'm there to get a piece of information. That's why I listen to podcasts. Right. People listen to them for different reasons. But usually I'm there to get a piece of business information or, you know, recommendations on a tool or, you know, something that can help me in my business. So I want to get to, as a listener, I want to get to that, um, 
that information as quickly as possible. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. So now let's go to the other side of things. So what is a failure, um, if any, that you've had with your podcast? It doesn't even have to be a failure, just something you, you could definitely improve on. And what did you learn from that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm probably going to share two quick stories, but the first piece, and I wouldn't say any of them were failures. They were more or less than learned. So um, the first thing, when I, when I first set my podcast up, um, the good thing was I had someone actually set up my podcast for me. So I didn't have to mess around with all the tech. It was up and running really quickly. But um, the downside of that was they actually hosted the podcast on their own platform. And what that meant was I didn't have any access to load my own podcast, to check in on the statistics of my podcast, to change anything, you know, any wording, anything. I had no control over that. So while it was really easy, there wasn't enough really control for me. And, you know, I feel like their podcasting tools are very intuitive. You don't need to be very high tech to manage them. I ended up um, actually, once I was sort of in the groove a little bit, I ended up bringing the control of that back to me. And I actually started using Libsyn as the platform. So I, I think it was more of a lesson learned than a failure in that regard. Um, the second kind of lesson learned is I did have an admin person um, supporting me with, um, you know, some of that backend process administration that we talked about. So sending the email to my, um, to my guests and following up with them and, um, I, I think the lesson learned and that again, she did a, um, a, quite a good job, but it, it was a, it was an inexpensive resource whose, um, first language wasn't English. So what it meant is, although I had the, um, structure in place, it still meant I need to keep an eye on those emails that were going out because if, a, if an interviewee or guest had asked me a, a question in between, I would want to incorporate that into the standard emails. So I just think it's something to think about when you're thinking about who your support resources are. Do they have the right skill set? Um, you know, you don't have to be a first English speaking um, you know, person to be able to do this, but you need someone who can actually think a little bit more critically and respond in the right way to emails. So again, it's more of a lesson learned. I wouldn't say it was a failure, but um, when you're trying to get work off your plate, you don't want to have to be closely monitoring that work to make sure that it's um, done the way you want it. Right. Yeah. Um, funny enough, I was here for both of these yes. <laughs> things that you went through. Um, yes. And um, I actually helped Natasha move to Libsyn because, yeah, I was just like, hey, I don't think this is a good idea. Don't you want to see your stats? And you're like, oh, wait, yeah, that's. that's yeah. I mean, you gave <laughs> me such great advice on that. And, um, you know, just, just so people listening uh, know this, you know, Jenny and I worked in other capacities and I, and I, I didn't necessarily um, ask her to do um, my podcasting in the first instance um, because it just, it just, it wasn't a budget fit for me. And that's, um, and Jenny's great. And that's why, that's why, you know, she um, is able to have, are still very affordable, but I, I was going like really low budget for my first setup because I just wanted to see whether I liked it. Right. Um, but you know, 
as always, I appreciate uh, you're so generous with your information and um, it really helped me a lot and made a big difference to my podcast as well. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like one of those things that if I see someone doing that, I'm like, oh, you might not want to do that. Like, I, I just want to make sure people are doing the right thing. I mean, even people that are working with me now on the package that we could have potentially worked on, um, they have had people set up their podcast and like, they don't have access to like iTunes or Spotify. And when I set up people's podcasts on those platforms, I use their login so that if we ever part ways, you know, because of mon- monetary reasons, or, you know, I don't do this business anymore. I want to make sure that they have access to to all that stuff because it's important um if they want to make any changes or anything and they don't have to come back to me like years later like hey um can you yeah I look and I think <laughs> I know I think that's so oh yeah and I do just want to clarify when I talk about I the, when I talked about Jenny's pricing understand that I live in Canada so every every US provider is 30% more than what it costs me <laughs> in local currency so it's not that Jenny's pricing is too high um but yeah, I, I think having control over your podcast, I think that's a real lesson learned. And I, I agree, you know, I, I think that's true with your website, your podcast, any of these systems and tools, you don't have to be an expert in them, but I do think you need to have control because, you know, things change, people's lives change, businesses change, relationships change. So I think the more you can have control, the better. Totally. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely why I do it. I'm like, here's what I did and you have like all the control. Um, I'm going to do this in the time period that we work together. But you know, if we ever split ways for some reason or another, you have all that access and you have the logins and used it setting up your accounts and all that stuff. Just so my butt is covered in the end. And I'm not like kind of troubleshooting things for them years later when they're not paying me. Anymore. Right. Yeah. For, for sure. Yeah. So love that. Very, very helpful and very insightful. So, um, where do you kind of find that you're getting your listeners from? I know it's kind of hard. It doesn't really say like other than it's coming from Spotify or iTunes or whatever. Um, but where do you think that your people are finding you? Mm-hmm. So I um, really do get listeners from where I promote on Instagram and Facebook. That's mainly um, the two tools that I'm using. Mm-hmm. Um Every time I have a new episode out, I I advertise on, you know, promote it on those platforms. I also um, share it through my emailing list. Um, but I was having a look at the stats before I jumped on the call here as well. And and really, what I said in the first at the beginning of this, when I'm interviewing other guests, um, that is certainly uh, bringing more guests into you know the listening. And I can see on my stats every time I have a guest there's a far greater reach than when I'm just um, doing a solo episode. So um, that that's really where I'm mainly getting my, my listeners from. I, this is part of my overall business strategy. So I'm promoting in the same places and in the same way that I promote any of my products and services. So it's not another whole thing that I have to do separately. Right. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like that's a good reason to have guests um, because you can leverage their audience as well, especially if they're in like a similar, you know, not necessarily like exact direct competitors, but like people who have people in their audience that are going to be beneficial for you as well. And they're going to be able to learn from you too. Yeah. Um, And just, just as an interesting point to that, like I've really noticed when, um, when I've gone out and we'll talk about maybe some I'm not sure if that's one of the questions, but just in terms of um, how I get guests for my show, you know, what I find is a difference is this. 
when I know someone, they're far more inclined to promote more heavily um, the, the interview after right. the um, podcast. I've had some people and a bit of a mixed a mixed bag. You know, there's some people who's like, oh yeah, I want to jump on your podcast. And then they've done absolutely no promotion at the back end of that. And really, I don't understand that, right? I mean, they're using it as an asset in their own business. So them promoting it doesn't only benefit me, it benefits them. So I think it's important to think about who your guests are. Um, I haven't really had any big name sort of guru guests on my um, podcast as yet. So I'm not sure whether um, they're more inclined or less inclined to promote. Um, but, But I think consider that as part of your strategy because you might not get the result you want. And I, I think it's important not to get upset about that. I'm just like, okay, well, that's up to you to promote. I've got, a, I've got an asset now that's great for my listeners. If you choose not to promote, then that's fine. But, right. but I think there's sort of an etiquette with podcasting. If someone lets you on their show, I, just me, it's just my etiquette. Um, I feel like I have an obligation or responsibility to, you know, to support and promote a little bit. Right. And another thing is, I think as podcasters ourselves, we are more inclined to because we know how much work goes into it. So people Mm -hmm. who don't have podcasts may not understand why it's so important to promote, but people who do, especially now that I have people who are on my show, everyone's a podcaster at least, or or they know something about podcasting, even if they don't have their own show. Um, So they're way more likely to promote because they know like I, they do it day in and day out for their own show. So they know how important it is. But in the past, when it, before I focused on podcasts and my guests were just, you know, some were podcasters, some were, I have the same kind of problems. Like people, some people yeah. promote, others wouldn't. And I think as long as you're providing with them with all the things they need to promote and you make it as easy as possible, you're going to have more people promoting, but there's still going to be people who don't, which is unfortunate, but you know, you just kind of have to chalk it up to, okay, well, you know, their loss, you know, they don't want to share their interview, which is interesting. You would think they would because who doesn't want to share their expertise with their audience? Um, but you know, you just gotta, gotta live with it. But most people I found at least in the, that our podcasters are willing to help because they're like, they understand how much work goes in. Yeah, it. I agree. I would say look, 90% of the time people are, um, very, you know, very supportive and, and that's, um, that's sort of the community of podcasting. It is very collaborative. So, um, you know, that's something that I really like about it. I think the point is there are, there are people that, just want to be on your show and not promote. <laughs> That's right. okay too. Right. Yeah. You know, we, we're always going to have some of those people, but you know, hope for there's more, more people that are promoting than not. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So next question. So um, when it comes to getting those listeners into becoming clients or customers in your business, how do you kind of go about that? Is there any specific things that you do on your podcast to continue to nurture those people and potentially get them into your client base or customer base? Mm-hmm. Um, so really my first, as, as I say, my first season was really just about getting the podcast up and running. So that that's where I was pretty much focusing my effort. And so I would say that my call to action was pretty soft. Um, but w- what I do have on my podcast in my, um, intro and outro pieces, um, I tell people a little bit about what the podcast is about. And I also share how they're going to, co- you know, able to contact me 
in all of my show notes, I also have a call to action with a link to my website and my free downloads or offers that are on there. So um, that's one way I at least let customers know how to um, reach me. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, how I use my advertising means so, you know, I can use the podcast and then I can do a call to action. If there's something specifically that I'm promoting around that topic, then I will use that. Um, the last way that um, I'm leveraging this to convert um clients is this. I mentioned at the beginning, um, last year I wrote a book. So now I'm a number one international best-selling author, um, which is a nice credential to have to start being invited onto other people's podcasts. So, um, that's another way where I'm able to talk about, um, what I'm having and provide an offer. So, um, again, really it's just using the podcast almost as a lead magnet into um, either getting people to download something from my website from me, um, you know, joining one of my Facebook communities or to, um, um, to get on my mailing list. And that's really how I'm using it. I would say that I'm keeping my podcast um, fairly non-salesy. Um, I'm using them more in a way to be that sort of free content than for people to feel like every time they're listening to my podcast, they're going to get sold and an offer. So that's just my approach right now. So I'm keeping it pretty soft there, but my conversion um, mechanism is more through my other social media platforms. Right. Yeah. And I think that's important to have like a nice balance between, you know, sharing your freebies and quote unquote selling and then providing people with helpful information and serving as a warming hut. So I think that's a really important balance that some people um, don't have. <laughs> some people are like just salesy, salesy, salesy. But I think if you have something like an upcoming webinar or something that you're wanting to promote, it's definitely a good way to like, you know, use it and insert like a quick little 15 second ad in the middle um, you know, like a, not like a brand ad, but like a self ad and say like, Hey, have a upcoming webinar. You might want to attend. Here's the information. Go to blah, blah, blah.com slash webinar or whatever. Um, and that's the way I use mine. Um, like I said, it's not something that happens all the time, but, um, I think, I think using it, you know, it's your platform. Why not use it that way? So I think, yeah. And I love, you know, like you have so many great tips and tricks on using podcasts. I love that sort of, um, mini ad in the middle of, um, the content. I haven't, um, I haven't tried that, but I'm, you know, excited to explore some other, um, you know, some other techniques in my podcast now that I'm more familiar with sort of the process and the podcasting. Now I can look at to leveraging it, um, leveraging it even more. Totally. Yeah. And it's like something that I definitely don't recommend like starting at the beginning because then you're like, whoa, I'm, I'm learning how to edit. Plus I need to add in all these other extra elements. Like it's one of those things that you can definitely do over time. And then, you know, that's, you know, at that point you have more listeners too. So, um, yeah. benefiting greater than having that in your first episode anyway. So, yeah. And the last, you know, snippet that I would like to add, you know, I mean, just in terms of the editing piece, and I would say this for people, if, you know, you want to keep your podcast, um, pretty low budget, pretty low from a timing perspective, 
I don't do a lot of editing on my, um, on my podcast. I mean, I literally take out the beginning piece, you know, when I'm prepping with a guest um, and, and any really big bloopers that we might have in the middle of it. But beyond that, I'm not editing like crazy on my, um, on my podcast. Um, so that's, you know, one piece of it. And, and the second thing, which I may explore more, you know, later this year, I mainly do an audio podcast. There's been a couple of guests that I've done a video um, recording with as well, which is nice to be able to use in other ways. But again, I stayed away from video at the outset because I just think there's too many more moving parts and um, it, it was just more of a challenge for me to do that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And um, I don't really do too much editing either. I mean, if my dog barks, like, it actually just happened, which we edited out, um, then we'll definitely work with that. But I think it's important to me at least to keep things as natural as possible. I don't edit out ums or likes or anything because then it just wouldn't sound human-like because those are things that are just a part of my vocabulary. So I agree with that. I don't, I don't have like a high tech editing, um, for my own show either. If people want that from me, like my clients, then we will definitely do that. Um, but that's just not my style. Um, so I think that's, you know, something to keep in mind as well. Um, yeah. And I just want to, I want to make that point because I agree. I think people are going to use this at very different levels and very different levels of quality. But I think, um, you know, if someone's thinking, oh, I maybe want to start a podcast, I don't want them to think that they have to have be super high tech or have like an editing team or become like a sound editor themselves. I really don't think you um, need to be. And I think, you know, start it off, give it a try, see if it's something you like. And then if you want to take it to another level down the track, then by all means do that. Yeah, definitely. You don't, and you don't have to be like, have the best audio quality, like from right out the gate. A lot of people like stress about that and they're like, oh my God, my episode doesn't sound great. And it's like, okay, people are going to realize that you're just starting. You don't have a professional sound studio at your house. So, you know, um, they're going to, they're not going to expect that from you because you're not a podcaster as your main job. Most people aren't. So, um, you know, people need to give themselves grace and allow for themselves to grow because if I go back and look at my episodes from January, 2018 to now, just like not only audio wise, but like confidence wise, the way that I present myself, the, all that different stuff, the way I'm interviewing people is so different. And that's just really cool to see. You don't need to be a pro from the get go. Yeah. And, you know, the one investment that I made, um, you know, after about three episodes, it just from the sound quality was the um, Blue Yeti mic. Like it was still a low investment, but it it did like it enhanced the um, quality of sound, you know, a hundred times than than the um, right. the the mic that I was using. I'm the same way. I think having a mic is really important. It doesn't need to be the best mic ever, but you definitely need to have a microphone that is not your um, iPhone headphones or something of that sort. I think that's really important and that's like the bare minimum of tools that you need. But yeah, that's, I mean, it's still going to improve no matter what um, as you go, just because you're learning and stuff. Yeah. Um, So how do you feel like you retain listenership for your podcast? So how do you keep people coming back for more each um, episode? Yeah, I mean, really, it's, I think, the consistency of it. You know, people are now expecting that I'm coming, um, you know, I, I that 
that there is content coming. Um, again, it's through using my social media platforms. I, you know, I think that was a really interesting question because I haven't always batched up my content. I haven't always had that um, sort of lead in at the end of it to say, oh, and if you enjoyed this, come back next week to listen to my interview with, you know, Jenny on how to do a great podcast. So I think the more I'm able to um, batch content, I think I can do more of that um, lead in or, you know, teaser to generate some more excitement. But I would say I haven't really done an amazing job at that, um, you know, in this first phase. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's a learning thing. And I think each time we put out a new season or we kind of re-strategize, there are things we can improve and add to it. So I definitely don't think it's something to feel bad about or anything, just like kind of figuring out going forward, like, okay, how can I make people stick around for more? And consistency is definitely a huge one because I've seen so many people who like don't post for two months and then they come back and then they don't post for another month and then they come back and that's just not doing anyone any good because people think that you just decided not to podcast anymore. Yeah. And you know, Jenny, you know what it's like on any social media. Sometimes you, you, you know, people aren't engaging or commenting. Like I, I'm not getting a lot of comments and likes, even though I ask for that. Um, I'm not getting a lot of engagement in that way on my podcast, but um, on my social media, people are commenting and sharing. And even when they're not, you know, I'll see people out at a live networking event and they're like, oh, I see you've been doing tons of podcasting or, you know, a new client will come on board and they'll say, oh, I've been following you for a long time, but they've never engaged. So, you know, there's sort of a, 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 an interesting dynamic there. I, I don't think she, people should be getting discouraged if they don't have tons and tons of comments or anything on their podcast. Um, People are listening and I think, for me, I think it's the consistency um, is important and, as I say, giving good content and, you know, again, like people know that my podcast is about 30 minutes. So they sort of already know that it's not going to be a two-hour marathon session and and I think when people know the experience, they sort of are willing to come back to that experience as well. Right. I totally agree with that. And that's so funny that you mentioned that, that people like don't, your audience doesn't always engage. My people are the same way. There have been times where I have, um, gotten on an interview with someone for my podcast and they're like, Oh, I love your show. I've been listening for years. I'm so excited to be able to be on your show. And I'm just like, okay, I've literally never heard from you before. (laughs) Where are you? Why aren't you, why aren't you hyping me up? Like on, you know, in my reviews and stuff, obviously I don't say that directly to them, but, um, yeah, it's just funny. Like I've had that happen on multiple occasions and like, well, why didn't you tell me until we hopped on this call? Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's nice to hear no matter where it is, if it's on social media in an email or whatever, but I still think, you know, people just kind of forget that that's what helps us get more eyes and ears on our show. Yeah. And you know, the, the thing is also Jenny, as you know, I mean, particularly with iTunes, for example, like it's not always easy to leave a comment there and you know, like I'm not an, um, I'm not a Mac user. So all the iTunes, iPhones, all that, they're, they're not my go-to tool. So it's not as easy for me as an example on iTunes to leave my comment. <laughs> so, um, there's lots of reasons I think why people don't engage. I don't think it necessarily translates to that people are not listening or they don't like your content. So, 
Right, right. It's always just nice to hear that confirmation, whether it's even even an email or something. You're like, oh, cool. people are actually listening to me. Like, this yeah. is nice. I'm not just like putting out a show every week to cricket. So yeah. um, it's yeah. just nice to hear. Okay, cool. So what is one piece of advice that you have for anyone who's looking to start their own podcast, but they don't know where to begin? Um, yeah, so I would definitely say if you don't know where to begin, um, reach out to a resource like Jenny, um, or, or, you know, I mean, there's lots of people, but I love Jenny. So I recommend you reach out to someone who does, um, do this as a regular basis to help you get set up. So you don't have to get like stuck in the weeds of how do I even get this podcast up and running live? I think if someone can take that away from you and actually walk you through some of the key steps that we've talked about today, you know, like what kind of emails do you have to have in place? Um, you know, how, how to set up your structure for the podcast, um, all of those things. I think that really can get you out of the gate up and running very quickly. Um, if you're more of a DIY kind of person, then um, I would simply say this, you know, get clear on what the theme is, you know, decide whether you want to do solos or interviews, investigate some of the tools like a Libsyn, you know, just choose one. Don't get too stuck. Choose one and get started and get out there. And I mean, I think that's true with anything in business. Just, just get started. It doesn't need to be perfect. Right. I a hundred percent agree with that. So many people get hung up on the little details like tech and all that stuff, but it's just like really important to just get it out there because the longer you hold yourself up and the longer you, you know, don't push forward, the longer it's going to be before you launch your show. So definitely thank you for that advice. It's really important and something a lot of people forget. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, what is your current favorite podcast? I know as podcasters, we probably all have our favorites. um, But so I just felt like I needed to ask that. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to just be totally transparent. I am going to share a couple of podcasts I like, but it's really interesting. I, I don't always listen to podcasts um, for my source of information. So I'm just going to be straight up. (laughs) I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but I want to share a couple of podcasts that I do like. Of course, my friend, Jenny, the savvy podcasts are amazing. And I recommend those. Um, I do like Hillary Rushford and she has her podcast is called You're Welcome. And I just like her style. She's very theatrical. She's very lively and upbeat. And, you know, so for a dose of um, entertainment and education, I do like Hillary's um, podcast. She has a lot about uh, social media and Instagram. So there's some good nuggets there. And the last podcast that I like is called the uplifting podcast. And that's by a friend of mine. Her name is um, Randy Lee. And uh, she's got a really interesting mix of business mindset and sort of self-love and self-care. And what I like about her is is she's super, super authentic. Um, She's not afraid to get real, drop a few F-bombs and just like say it as it is. So um, yeah, I I mean, I think there's sort of an interesting blend of someone who's, you know, Hillary's is more theatrical and very produced. Randy's is very grassroots and authentic. And, um, you know, Jenny, I think you're somewhere in the middle of that, of like educational and quite polished, um, but still really authentic and natural. So they're my top three. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I will have to check out the other two as I have not listened to them. And it's funny that you mentioned don't really listen to podcasts that much because 
I actually used to listen to them all the time, but when I made the switch to doing podcast management, now I spend so much time listening to my clients' podcasts because I'm doing, you know, the show notes or like, you know, making sure that when I send it to my editor, everything is good and, you know, ready. And I like to listen to it first so we don't miss anything. Um, so I feel, I, I spend so much time listening to my clients that I don't listen to other people's anymore. Um, cause I'm just so focused on my clients podcast, but, um, yeah, that's, that's super funny. I feel like a lot of the time we kind of like, like podcasts and that's why we get into it. But then once we actually start our own, we don't make time. For yeah. It. And I think that's reflective of people's learning styles. I think that's why podcasts are so great. Like some people don't like reading emails. Some people prefer to read audio or it fits their lifestyle better. So, um, you know, I just think it's just another great way to, um, share your content, um, reach new audiences, um, give people an alternative way to connect with you you know, build your credibility, let people that you're still alive and doing great stuff. And, um, you know, I, I just think the more, um, the more channels you can deliver your message across, um, the more people that you're going to, are going to be able to access that and the more people you're going to be able to help. Totally. I a hundred percent agree. So lastly, just tell everyone where we can find you. So your website, your social media channels, and of course the name of your podcast one more time. Yeah. So uh, you can find me on my website, which is inspireanddrive.com. And I'm mainly hanging out on Instagram these days. So I'm also there at inspire and drive. Um, and you can follow me and you'll see where my new podcasts are dropped. And the name of my podcast is called Your Business Without Borders. Awesome. I will link everything in the show notes so everyone can go check you out. And thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Jenny. It's been a great conversation as always. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvypodcastingforentrepreneurs.com slash episode 136. If you haven't joined Savvy Podcasting for Entrepreneurs Facebook group yet, make sure to go do that because you'll have access to daily prompts, updates on the podcast, and just a community of amazing podcasters who are looking to either go and launch their show for the first time, or they're looking to grow their show. So you'll just have access to an immediate community of people who are in the same boat as you. So make sure to go join um, over at Savvy Podcasting for Entrepreneurs on Facebook, and we will see you in the group. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave a review. You can find us at SavvyPodcastingForEntrepreneurs.com and on Facebook and Instagram at SavvyPodcastingForEntrepreneurs. Make sure to join our free Facebook community for podcasters by going to SavvyPodcastingForEntrepreneurs.com slash community. See you in the next episode.